I'll read from the book of Joshua tonight, 14th chapter. Joshua 14. And I'm going to read some words of Caleb. Joshua 14, starting at verse 7, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance." and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. We are so thankful for a living gospel for a living word, for accounts in God's word that we can read and learn from and find encouragement from. They speak to our hearts. They were given to us for an example, an object lesson, if you will, that we could learn and understand more about God, that we could understand more about the ways of faith, that we could learn lessons in our own faith. And as we learn to trust God more and more, learn about ourselves, learn more and more about God, there's no end to it. And we can, we can fall back on these examples as God would have us do, and we can learn, and we want to apply what we learn. We want to, we want to take the time when we're reading God's Word to digest what we're reading. We want to understand when we open God's Word what is being said. What, what is the author talking about? What is God, what is the message God is sending to me? We want to take the time to let it sink into our minds especially in this day, a fast-paced world, a world that's never satisfied, a world that is impatient, a world that uh, can't stop long enough really to concentrate on things. That's really the, the society we live in. And so we have to take time, don't we? We have to make time for the Lord. We have to make time to read God's Word and understand what it's saying. We're better to read three verses and take in, a, in one day and understand what's being said there and have it speak to our heart than to read three chapters and not have any idea what we read. The Word of God is alive and it speaks to our heart as God intended it to. It, it, God's Word is blessed of Him and, and He intended for the Word to live within our hearts. He intended to encourage His people, to build up His people. But what we read, here we're reading about Caleb, and it's just always interesting to me. Of course, he's talking about uh, the account that's recorded in the Numbers uh, 13 and 14. The spies, one from each tribe, a leader of the tribe, was sent to, to check out the land for 40 days to see what was there. 
uh, and the Lord commanded Moses to have that be done. And they went and, and they did see, indeed, they saw uh, the cities that were there. They saw uh, the giants that were there. They saw the crops that were there. They saw all of that and they came back and testified for sure that is the case. But they were extremely discouraged. They were extremely doubtful. They were extremely worried because it wasn't practical. It didn't make any sense. It was too high risk. It was impossible. No matter how you sliced it, it just did not make sense. There was no way this could happen. No practical way that this could happen. You could get your calculator out. You could get your calendar out. You could talk with philosophers. You could do anything you wanted. There was no way this was going to make sense. It was impossible. There was nothing to draw encouragement from that they could see. There was, there was nothing for them to uh, draw faith from except one thing, and that was God said. That was all they had. And it is amazing to me, time and time again as I think about it, that Joshua and Caleb were so convinced that God could do what he said. And the others were so convinced that he could not do what he said. What they faced was formidable. It was fearful. It was, it was challenging. It really was. There, was. there was no doubt about it. The giants in battle were, were a fearsome thing. That's why uh, men that were trained and hardened in warfare, uh, in, in armies that were trained in the day, they ran from giants. It was a fearful thing. What could you do? So it's no wonder that they were fearful. They were not trained in warfare. They did not have the weapons. They, they were not trained in strategy. They didn't have any of these things to draw on. They did not have a plan B. They couldn't form one. All they could think of to do was let's get out of here. This feels too uncomfortable. It feels too dangerous. It feels too uncertain. This is not what I expected. It's time to move on. And they became discouraged. And the more they talked about it, the darker it got, the darker it got. And the more they got each other discouraged. And Joshua and Caleb were convinced the other way. And it is amazing to me as they stood there and said, we are well able that the people threatened to stone them with stones. And they had something to say about that. They still said, we are well able. They were so convinced the entire nation of Israel was threatened to take their life and they still would not recant. God can do this. There was no reason why that they could see victory ahead. There was no possible, there was no weakness. There was no back door. There was no other way except that God said it and here they had to make a decision. Am I going to believe God or not? That was all it was. Am I going to believe what God said or not? I was at a uh, trust plant recently and we were touring and looking at uh, their eye joists and all of that and how they, uh, how they make these things. And we had uh, a few men that were leading us uh, through this tour and we uh, had some time in a conference room and whatever. And there was one gentleman there. Um, he was an older gentleman. He didn't say much. Yeah, I mean, just by appearance, looking at him, I thought, he seems like he's ready to retire. He's a kind man, you know, but he didn't really have much to say. He was kind of there until it was his turn to speak. And he started talking about iJoyce. His eyes lit up. He became passionate. He became animated. And I was shocked. 
And I thought, this man believes what he's saying. That's not what I expected. That's not how he appeared. In fact, he got so so excited about he about it, he would interrupt all the other speakers. And he would apologize. He would say, I'm sorry, but this is what our competitors are doing. But let me tell you why this works better. And he would he believed it. He was excited about it to the point that everybody in the room started laughing because of his exuberance. He was convinced. Caleb was convinced. He knew it. It didn't make any difference who said what. It didn't make any difference how many disagreed with him. He was locked in to what God said. He was locked into the promise. There was something about uh, what Caleb saw that he was able to get a hold of that and it got down in his heart. It was a reality to him. There was something in Caleb's mind. He could see the thing done before it was done. He could see it already that God was going to work for them if they just hung on and believed God as they stepped forward. There was no way but the divine way. There was no other way to do this. They were either going to have to make a living out in the desert, they were going to have to return to Egypt, or they were going to have to believe God. There was really only one option, but here they were, and they had to make a decision. There was no way but the divine way. They had seen this before. They had been up against the Red Sea. The Lord led them there. There was no way forward. There was no way back. There was no other option. There was only one way, and that was the divine way, and they saw God do that. They saw a way open up that never entered their mind, never entered their thinking. There was no algorithm to come up with an answer, but believe God. And God opened a way where there was no way. They had seen that, and this was the same thing again. Here they are, uh, right on the, the, the verge of victory, right on the edge. They'd gone this far, and God had something prepared for them. He left just a small gap for them to span by their faith. Everything else was done. He had led them. He'd prepared the land. He'd prepared even uh, victories ahead of time that, that it was all ready to go. All they had to do was span that small gap and believe the Lord. It didn't work for them. And as you read that account, you find out that the Lord's wrath, then his judgment was spoken and they found out they were going to lose their lives in the wilderness. And so they had the idea to get up the next first thing in the morning and we're going to do this. We made a mistake. Well, let's go do this. But it was too late. They decided they were going to go do this and try to get back on, on the Lord's side, but they were soundly defeated. They missed their opportunity. They, it, it, there was a, a window there where they needed to make a decision. I'm either going to believe God or I'm not going to believe God. We can't do both. And they missed it. But here, here's Caleb. We don't really read about Caleb. He's not mentioned after this until he comes back to the promised land. For the next 40 years, we don't know what Caleb was doing. He seems to be a silent character. But I wonder what Caleb was thinking as he marched around in that wilderness. And he watched his peers, the ones that doubted, the ones that were, were angry and frustrated and did not think God was doing it right. But Caleb had something in his heart. Caleb had to keep that alive. Caleb had a promise in his heart. He was not going to let that go. Caleb had a vision in his heart. He could see it happening. And he could not allow anything to get in there and, and tarnish that vision. He couldn't allow anything to come in to discourage him. He had to keep that alive. He had to keep it in front of him. He had to ignore things that went on around him. And there were things that went on around him. The gainsaying of Korah, you remember that? That happened. 
Caleb would have been there. He would have seen what happened when, when Korah and his people, the princes, men of renown in Israel, rose up against Moses. That would have been confusing. They were leaders in Israel, and yet they were challenging Moses. They were saying both. If you read that chapter, Moses, you've done too much. Moses, you haven't done enough. And they challenged him. It would have been confusing for people looking on if, if they would have looked at these, these people as people that they were trying to follow beforehand. Where's Caleb? We don't know. But we know how Caleb ends up. And the earth, earth opened up and swallowed them. In the next chapter, some of the people of Israel are frustrated. They're saying that you've killed the people of the Lord. They're frustrated with Moses. So the Lord sends a plague. And once again, uh, Moses sends Aaron to make atonement. Caleb would have been watching this, processing what is going on. But he knew in his heart what God had told him. He knew back there, there's land that belongs to me. I know it because God said it. And God put it in my heart. And I know it's mine. It doesn't matter who says what. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how bleak things are. It doesn't matter who decides to walk away from God. I know there's ground there with my name on it because God put it there. He knew that. We know that because that's how he came back to the promised land. He must have been guarding that promise. He must have been guarding that in his heart with all the business, all the frustration. He would have witnessed the serpents as they complained again. The fiery serpents going through it. And Moses made that brazen serpent and put it up on the pole. And anybody that looked at that serpent was healed. Caleb would have seen that. All of these things he had to sift and sort out to keep that promise alive in his heart. He dare not fall into the place where his peers had been before. He dare not allow that promise to slip. There's just a small gap for you and I. The same thing is true for us. The same thing is true for us. Faith begins with a decision. It begins with a decision. When we decide, I'm going to believe God on this. God, this is God's promise. I'm going to believe this. I'm going to stand on this. I need something done in my life. There's the promise in God's word. You've promised it. I've done everything you've asked me to do. Lord, I'm going to believe it. And at first, when we step out like that, we may not feel like we're believing very well. We may not feel like we have very much faith. We may not even be able to tell if we're believing at all. But it helps us just to say to ourselves and tell the Lord, I'm going to believe it anyway. No matter what I feel like, no matter what comes to me, no matter what news I get tomorrow, no matter who does what, I have to stay there. And if you determine to stay in that place that you're going to believe God, you will find that that promise begins to take on a life of its own. You will find that that promise begins to blossom and something begins to open out in front of you and there's something begins to grow in your heart and there's a reality that's beginning to form. This could happen. I didn't know if it could, but I've started to see something. As you hang on to that promise, the, the excitement builds in your heart. Your faith begins to take a hold and you've been hanging on to that and you've been praying, Lord, help me to hang on to it. Don't let me get discouraged. Don't let me get sidetracked. Don't let me fall into anything that's going to tarnish this. I must believe you and see this through. God will honor that. And it won't be long until you're not trying to hold that promise anymore. It's holding you. It's carrying you. It's taking on a life of its own. There's a reality to it and you can see it. You can see it. There's a vision. You know this is going to happen. It's good for us to think like that sometimes. It's good for us to envision God answering that prayer. It's healthy. 
It's good for us to imagine God coming into our life and giving us what we need. And the more we hang on to that promise, the more it'll grow, your confidence will grow, your faith will grow. God will do it. But it has to begin with that decision. No matter what happens, any time that we're, we're going through this and we're going to believe God, you can expect some resistance. You can expect the enemy to come in and bring things against you. Don't be surprised at that. That'll happen. Don't worry about it. You just stay right there on that promise. And anytime the enemy comes in, you can drop to your knees and say, Lord, help me. I believe you. I don't understand it. I don't know when you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I believe you. It was your word, your promise to me, and I'm standing on it. We're not making God do anything. We are surrendering and we are yielding. And we find that the more determined we are to hang on to that promise, the more consecrated we'll become. We'll have to. Because we're going to have to shut out things that would hinder. We're going to have to shut out things that we used to react to. We're going to have to shut out voices we used to listen to. Because we find that it messes with our faith. And pretty soon we lose sight of what we were believing. We don't, we can't afford that. And so in order to stay on that promise, we're willing to let everything go. And as that promise begins to build, we're happy to do so. We're happy to do so. And we're excited because God is going to do this thing for me. I know you've been there. I know there's people in here that know exactly what this process is about. You started out believing because you, you read in God's word that I, it's impossible to please God if we don't believe and everything else isn't working. I've tried to help him answer my prayer. I've tried to come up with another way and it's not working. The only thing left is to believe God and that's all. The divine way is all that's left. The Lord is merciful to us when he cuts off everything else out of our life that we tend to lean on. And, I, and he gets us into that place where all we have left is to believe God. And sometimes it takes that. We have to get to that place where there is no way out except the divine way. And if we will decide to stand on God's promise, he will bridge that gap. He'll do it. He will do it. We thank God. Caleb, somehow, the Lord helped him, obviously. The Lord kept him alive. But he came back to the promised land. And it was still alive. Still alive. He was not discouraged. It was not diminished. For those years in the wilderness, watching his peers, watching people rise up, watching people that he thought uh, that he was supposed to follow, whatever it was, all of these things that would have been so confusing, the promise was still alive in his heart. And that's what he told Joshua. It's still there. I brought back word as it was in my heart, and I'm doing it again. You might look at that, and it might seem aggressive. It might seem selfish. You might say, really, do you have to take it that far, Caleb? You have to ask for the land where the giants are? But if this was the promise to Caleb, he could never be satisfied with anything else. He had put his feet on that ground, and he knew that ground was his. Somebody might have asked Caleb, do you have a plan? Wrong question. doesn't matter. I don't need a plan. I am trusting God. I've got it all with him. That's all I know to do. So I'm believing that God is going to do this. It's in my heart as a living thing. That's how the promises of God are. They're alive and they're living, but we have to give them a chance to get into our heart. We have to make that decision. We're going to believe no matter what. And then we have to stay there. And as we stay there, what did Jesus say? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. The Lord will do it. And that's why he said, give me this mountain. 
the very place he'd been thinking about, I'm sure. It went through his mind out in the wilderness. I'm sure he played it over and over and over again how this was going to be. But this is my place. God gave it. God promised it to me. I put my feet on it. And the Lord told me that it was going to be mine somehow. And that's what I got to have. His soul would not have been satisfied with anything else. He could have taken an easier approach, I suppose. He could have hid behind a rock. And peeked out, Lord, if it's your will, you'll make the giants go away. Let's take the safe route. Let's take the logical plan. Let's be rational about this. So we're going to hide behind the rock, and they're still there. I guess it's not God's will. We're either going to believe God or we're not. We're either going to believe God's promise or we're not. But that's not what was in Caleb's heart. He already knew. It was, it was something that had been carrying him. I have no doubt those 40 years that, that it was, that it was a living thing within him and it kept him going and he knew God was going to fulfill it. And here was his opportunity. Coming back to the promised land. We all want to be in that place where we're trusting God. We're on higher ground. And we know we're trusting God and we're confident with God and, and uh, we, we have uh, supreme confidence in God and His Word, and we're walking with victory all the way. Well, we can, but you'll face some giants. We all will. There's no easy way. There's no easier way and harder way. We're all going to face uh, difficulties in this life. Jesus told us that. But this was the opportunity. I can imagine what was going through Caleb's mind and his heart. It had been a long time. He'd been waiting for this. And they'd been going through the promised land as a nation, conquering cities as God told them to, God directed. And they, they mowed over everybody that was in their path as God directed. But now it was time for them to claim their own land. Now it was time for the land to be divided and to claim their own land. And there's Caleb. First thing, Joshua, you know what belongs to me. Give me this. What belongs to me, what God promised to me, it's my promise. It's been in my heart. I can't be satisfied with anything less. Aren't you glad God can fulfill his promises? And God did fulfill his promise. They, he, Caleb had total victory. The giants were run out. And there's something else about that as you read the next chapter. His daughter. He'd given her and her husband a portion of land and inheritance, but she said, will you give me the springs as well? Of course he did. But he would never have had that to give if he would not have hung on. I can't think of a more priceless heritage to pass on than victory in prayer and seeing God's promises fulfilled in our lives. When we have hung on to a promise and seen God work in our lives and we could tell our children, we could tell the next generation how to face the giants. We could tell them how faithful God is. We could tell them if you hang on, God will work. God will be faithful. What a priceless heritage that is. She had the, the springs there, but they were only there because somebody believed God and somebody determined to hang on until God worked. How easy it is to get distracted. How easy it is to get sidetracked. How easy it is to get inflamed in our own spirit and mind and our heart. We get distracted by something else going on. We should never. We need to read Psalm 37. Fret not yourself. Trust in the Lord and do good. The Lord will work for you. Commit your way to the Lord and He will work. But we can so easily get inflamed and distracted by things that go on around us, things we see on the TV, things we hear on the news, something a coworker says that doesn't make any difference. All those things get in the way 
of our trust in a promise of God. When we're trying to stand on a promise of God, we can't afford those things. So we have to stay right there. God will work. What is our part in all that? Just try. Just take one step. It begins with a decision. Just tell the Lord, I'm going to believe you. I don't feel like I have very much faith. I don't know that I can really make the grade. I don't seem to stand very tall, but I'm going to try. I see that promise and I believe it must be for me too. You start there and you keep that before the Lord. You will find a pathway opening up. You will find something beginning to open up for you. It's interesting to me that the nation of Israel could not cross over until they believed first. They had to have it settled on this side of the river. Joshua and Caleb came back believing and they were to spread that encouragement and that faith to everybody else. Instead, that's not what happened. But those men that were standing there with Joshua and Caleb could easily, could easily have have turned if they would have just made the effort to try to believe God. Just stopped long enough to consider, could this be true? What if it is? What if there really is a wonderful victory over there for me? That's all it is. It's just a decision to start. And anytime the enemy brings anything against your soul, you could drop to your knees and you can say, Lord, give me this mountain. There's victory in this circumstance. I know there is. There's higher ground in this circumstance. I know there is. There's giants all around. But Lord, I can't do anything with them. But you can give me this mountain for your glory. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll honor you. The Lord is so faithful. The, the, the spirit that created us, the God that created us wants to dwell within us and make us his own, make us a living temple to the world. The world is in desperate need to see people that truly believe God, to see people that have conquered those things, that have faced their giants and have watched God bring them through. That's the God we serve. What is our part? Just try. Just tell the Lord, I'm going to believe it. And you stay there and watch what God will do. We have an opportunity. We can step out believing, surrender, and watch God work.